Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. What about you? I'm doing good. It feels like July 10th, and I mean that both with the lack of everything going on in the sports world and because it's a million degrees outside. So hopefully you guys are doing all right (laughs) over there. Yeah, and I know we're recording this podcast at kind of a weird time because Big 12 Media Days are going to be the 12th and 13th, so this Wednesday and Thursday. Normally, Cade and I would record on a Friday. I'm going to be out of town. Cade's got some stuff going on as well. So we're going to try to come to you guys with a podcast next Sunday, the July 16th. So we kind of recap everything then. Should release that either Sunday night, Monday morning. So we'll do one shortly after, but just with scheduling, we weren't able to kind of sync that up to be right after, but we'll definitely hit it. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out, Dustin, especially over the next several weeks. It may uh, look a little strange as to when the podcast comes out, but the point is we're going to bring a podcast to you one way or another. So uh, look forward to getting through the summer with you, Dustin, because it's kind of flying by. And there, I say there's a lack of you know big stuff going on, but there's all sorts of great articles coming out about this cowboy football team about you know former cowboy football players falling down depth charts and there is a ton to talk about so we might as well just get right into it yeah kid not much in terms of nfl news or other football news besides the big 12 media days which we'll kind of talk about as we go through some of this oklahoma state football news unless i i'm sure i missed something but i just kind of wanted to kick it off you know a lot of the preseason media polls and all big 12 teams came out i did want to mention one just kind of quick random note the uh ok state probs twitter account did a interview with alan bowman on their up uh, on his probs cast which i listened to on spotify i'm sure you can find it wherever so it's like 30 minutes long it's a cool interview the one thing that i took away from it though Cade along with Alan Bowman getting engaged shortly after I saw. So congrats, congrats to him on that is he said, he's going to try to play as long as he can. We talked about that athletic article from Bruce Feldman going over when Alan Bowman took the Oklahoma state receivers out to California, worked out with them with the NIL money that Feldman mentioned in that article that Alan Bowman was going to try to get another year of eligibility. And it sounds like that's true from his own mouth. So we'll kind of see how that goes, but it was one note I just kind of wanted to hit from that interview because it's something you and I dove into a little bit a couple podcasts ago. Yeah, hundred percent, Dustin. I mean, and I don't know where this leads us. I don't know if it does anything other than confirm some of what we could be feeling. None of it's obviously sourced information. We just have a. I mean, this is a gut feeling, and based off of what Bruce Felvin wrote, and now straight from Alan Bowman's mouth. Uh, it just makes things interesting down the road for me. I think this year a quarterback battle is not the way I would uh, phrase it. Down the road, maybe and probably. So it definitely puts the future of that position into uh, not flux, but it certainly could uh, put Oklahoma State in a better spot. 
Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And we will try to get as much info as we can on that as it progresses forward. I'm sure Robert Allen will have some info on it sooner than kind of everybody else. So we'll keep our ears kind of glued there and see what's going on. Before we talk about the actual media polls, I saw that 247 Sports released a preseason all Big 12 coaching staff. So they used the they used a company called Matrix Analytical Solutions Coach Rating Index, and from what I gather, it's kind of like Pro Football Focus. That's cool. How they grade the players, they grade the coaches like that. I didn't dive really into the whole list. There was a lot of uh, it, it was a great article, but a lot of text on each coach. It was kind of long. I just want kind of browse through it for Oklahoma State. I saw that Casey Dunn was first team receivers coach. They did a first and second team, and Mike Gundy was second team head coach. Uh, Chris Kleiman from K State was first team head coach. Kate, any thoughts? Any thoughts on that all Big Twelve coaching staff? I feel like Mike Gundy is in a good spot there, but I also think that he he's probably being pulled down. And I mean this with all due respect. The assistants, if you look on the offensive and the defensive side, Casey Dunn. Seventh, eighth, and ninth in total offense over the last three years in the Big 12. And Brian Nardo coming in from Emporia State, I could see how, and again, it sounds like it was just kind of a, a poll or like a you know first and second team, but I can imagine that it's a little bit light uh, for Oklahoma State's assistant coaches. So, uh, And I mean that knowing that there's just a lot of good coaches in this conference, yeah. not necessarily a dig at OSU's. And, and I don't know what all of the analytics take into it, but the fact that Mike Gundy grades out high from an analytics standpoint, when you think about the way they recruit and then kind of develop talent, it makes sense that he would be second team. And I'm, I'm actually kind of fine with that. Casey Dunn, first team receivers coach. It's kind of, that one's kind of unfair. No knock at Casey Dunn. Love Casey Dunn as a receivers coach, but he's probably the most tenured receivers coach in the conference, right? Oh yeah, which is he's got which is actually why I'm a little miffed that you said that Chris Kleiman got number one. Yeah, I I don't know how much I like it. I I I'm, would I'm assuming go with body of work, but I don't know. I'm assuming whatever these analytics are taking into account is is giving him a higher grade for maybe like shorter amount of time at a school and getting to Big Twelve championship game top yeah. of the league status that's the only thing i could think but i i agree with you yeah well we're everybody will call us homers for that but uh yeah i mean i, I honestly feel like mike gundy's you know however many 10 win seasons it is should hold a little more weight but we'll see any before we move on one quick question uh any miffed and peeve from you on casey dunn not being first team offensive coordinator um <laughs> Kind of put me on the spot here, Justin. Let's move on. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah. Can we get to the next topic, please? I'm sure any uh, our tens of listeners had some uh, responses to that I, question. But... I yield my time to you. <laughs> moving on to the, uh, and no, not, uh, no, not at 247, but moving on to the actual teams that we were talking about at the beginning of this segment, the 2023 media preseason, all big 12 teams and big 12 rankings going into the season. Three Oklahoma State guys made the All-Big 12 team. Wide receiver Brennan Presley, linebacker Colin Oliver, and safety Kendall Daniels. Kendall Daniels, as you remember, was 
Big 12 freshman of the year a season ago. Colin Oliver was second team all Big 12, and Presley was honorable mention at the end of the 2022 season. Oklahoma State's three members of the all Big 12 team were the fifth most behind Texas, who had five, Kansas, who had four, Kansas, Cade, not Kansas State, (laughs) Kansas. Kansas State also had four, and then TCU had four. Kansas junior quarterback Jalen Daniels was named preseason offensive player of the year. Texas senior linebacker Jalen Ford was named preseason defensive player of the year. And Kansas State senior running back Treshawn Ward was named preseason newcomer of the year after transferring from Florida State. Okay, what were your thoughts and anybody you think was left off? Were you surprised that Oklahoma State had three guys on there? What, what were kind of your initial takes? Um, Not necessarily surprised because those three are kind of the ones that you've seen and would have, for me, those are the three that I would have initially put on the list myself. Anything after that is kind of a a wild card. Like you, you can't put a Jaden Bray on there. I don't think just because, you know, the injuries last year, I do think he's going to remind everybody this year of who he is, but I do think that that's probably pretty fair. What did you think? Yeah, I think, offensive i'm sure this is going to surprise you but i think jason brooks maybe should have got a nod at second like as a second team guy something in that range but i I don't know i don't know how you can really give a guy that didn't even start every game last year for oklahoma state that kind of to your point any of the newcomers that would be kind of a going against all of the media from this offseason who's been knocking Oklahoma State's yeah. transfers, even though you and I agree that guys like Dejon Stribling, Justin Kirkland are guys that can make that list. I do think a Corey Black, maybe a yeah. Anthony Goodlow, but again, that's a new transfer. Right. I, I think Cam Smith, you could probably put, put in the mix, but I think those three were who I would have said. I know they're they're who you probably would have said as well. So I, I was okay with those selections, but there were definitely some guys I think I wouldn't have been surprised. I would I would have been maybe a little surprised if they made it, but I could see how they could have made it based on my take on them. But yeah. I, I think it's fine where it's at. I'll say this. I think the postseason Big 12 newcomer of the year is on Oklahoma State's offense. I re- I really do. I think if Alan Bowman stays healthy. And can you be a newcomer to a conference you've already played in? We should get into the bylaws of that. We can do that later. So. It, but I would it's imagine been two you, years. Yeah, I would imagine you can. I just I feel like if he stays healthy, he's going to have a great year. And additionally, I would put Deshaun Stribling on that same list of guys to Agreed. watch out for. Um, Zach Lancaster with Pokes Report wrote an article of something I've been saying since January, Dustin, or probably you know mid March or however long it took for the wide receiver room to settle after the transfer portal exodus. And he wrote that it would appear that Oklahoma state's wide receiver group could have improved. And uh, I'm not, I'm not, not claiming that, but I'm also saying that I, I agree. Like I, I totally agree. And I think Deshaun Stribling will be a big reason why. Yeah. It's been one of the main things you've kind of, that's been one of your main takes going into the season. I'm and I agree with it. it. Love that. our <laughs> love that our guy, Zach, Shouted it out in an article because he obviously has that same take. So at least we have one person that agrees with yeah, us. We're not on an but, island still. Kate, a name, a name that 
probably isn't shouldn't have been on the preseason list, but one, and I think we got a question on this, so we can I can we can end this convo here after this last point and move on because we can talk about it more in the Twitter questions. But Ollie Gordon obviously has a chance to make some noise at the running back spot, but again, not a guy that we saw a ton from last year. So we'll we'll circle back to this at the end of the podcast with some guys who we think could be on the teams at the end of the year. But Cade, what about the team in general? The media poll has them seventh but they did get one first place vote. And we found out who that was, right? It was not you. That was my first yes, thought. It, you it, got a vote and I didn't know it. It wasn't me. It wasn't Robert Allen. So those were <laughs> probably the first two that people would look to. Yes. It, I, I can't remember who it was exactly, but yeah, but nobody would got one first, one first place vote in Baylor. Who's at six got zero. So yeah. that's weird looking whenever that happens. But it went Texas, K-State, OU, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State at seven, then UCF at eight, KU, Iowa State, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and West Virginia. So the, the highest Cade of the newcomers, UCF, that, that's kind of who you and I have been saying we think is going to do the best out of the four newcomers. So that was no surprise to me there. Anything really shocking here? And, and your kind of your take on Oklahoma State's spot? Yeah, I think Oklahoma State is in a appropriate spot. Um, I really do think like three through nine, three through eight are pretty interchangeable. And I say that because I'm looking at a team like Texas Tech, who Dustin, are they getting a little too much credit for winning eight games, including a bowl game? I think so, but it's hard for me because I hate Texas Tech. Well, I also hate them. Um, but I feel like they are kind of the media darling of this offseason. Uh, Joey McGuire, you know, not to go in on Texas Tech. I just these preseason polls are such a crapshoot. And I I look at Texas Tech. I also look at a team like Baylor, who on paper, Oklahoma State's better than Baylor to, to me this year going into this. And I would even say roster wise. History of the rivalry notwithstanding, Oklahoma State should probably get a little bit more credit compared to Oklahoma than there being a four-team gap right there. So anyway, Dustin, I I think that they're great like preseason fodder for people like you and me. Ultimately, I think Oklahoma State's going to finish higher than seventh. Yeah, and you know, teams like Iowa State that there's rumors with the, the some of the gambling scandal, scandal going on that Hunter Deckers may have been involved in that. Yeah. And I know they've got a highly touted young quarterback. I, I believe they got a transfer in as well. But still, you're losing Hunter Deckers. You're losing Xavier Hutchinson. You're not really returning. You're returning guys from a team that wasn't really very good right. last year. So I could see them. They're at 10. I could see that you know, dropping even lower if some of that stuff comes to fruition with the Deckers news. So there's definitely some, like you said, kind of from that three-ish range to nine, eight, I think it's pretty interchangeable. And then teams like Iowa State, West Virginia, I I don't think Houston's going to be very good. Now, now I do think BYU and Cincinnati are kind of wild cards. I don't think either of them are going to be very good, but I don't think anybody really has a great handle on Cincinnati right now, kind of with the end of the Luke Fickle era. So it's just really, really difficult. We saw it last year. You know, you and I thought TCU, you know, they were turning a bunch <laughs> right. of production, but it was from a team that wasn't great. Right. New coach moving into it, and they end up, you know, winning the Big 12 championship game. So just kind of, kind of crazy. The thing, okay, I and and I didn't tell you to think about this before the podcast, but I'll pick a team oh, that I think the Big Twelve. Sorry, not the yeah, game. Well, I guess. 
Well, no, I will. I'm going to pick a team that's going to surprise, and I against the way the media ranked them, and I think that's BYU. I think Keaton Slovis at quarterback for them is going to do a pretty good job. He's got a great arm. Um, I think that they've got a lot of questions to answer, but I think what are they in the media poll? Eleven or something like 11, that. Eleven, yeah. I think that they're going to finish higher than that. I think that they're going to win a, a good amount of games this year. And Kate, I think my team on the other on the other hand is the same one you picked, Texas Tech. Oh, really? I, I think they're going to be a solid team, but I, if well, they finish three or four in the conference, I, I think that would be a little surprising to me. Obviously, it wouldn't be based on this poll. But I would see them maybe more middle of the pack. Well, so three or four in this conference puts you in like fighting for a New Year's Six Bowl or like the Cotton Bowl or whatever that next bowl is. And I just can't see Texas Tech in that position this year. I they they were solid last year. I think that they lose some, especially on the defensive line, a unit that made them fantastic up front. Um I just feel like they're probably another seven, eight win team. I'm not saying that they're going to disappoint, but I don't think that they're going to win nine, 10 fighting for 11 wins this year. I don't see it at all. And I, yeah, well, no. yeah, I, I was about to go back in on Texas tech and I'm not going to do it. So, yeah. And that's fine. You're not going to get any opposition from me. And th- this is one of those, you know, where it's like, we try to be unbiased when we talk about teams like OU and Texas tech and teams that you and I personally do not care for at all. So it's a little bit difficult because, again, we're not media members. We're just two guys. So <laughs> it's a little hard, but th- those are those are my true thoughts on Texas Tech. So Yeah, well, and I'll say this. They have a fairly difficult opening schedule. They go to Wyoming on a Friday night, and then they host Oregon. So I, I think they're we'll find out pretty quickly what they look like. Yeah, 100%. Well, awesome, Kate. You want to move into some football recruiting? Not a ton of news, but some kind of notable things going on. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one I just wanted to mention, because I don't think we talked about him last podcast, and we've talked about him pretty much every other podcast, but our guy, Smith, again, because I'm not even going to – I've got it. I got it right last time, so I don't even want to try it again. Smith from San Mateno and Juna Paracera, the the three-star quarterback, a top 35 quarterback in the country according to 247. We thought he was going to make a decision – at the end of June, beginning of July, that has not happened. Okay, this makes me think that he's waiting for the dead period to end on July 24th, and maybe we'll revisit, take another visit, kind of see what is going on as far as contact goes in person. But I, I said at first, I think you know, if he waited a little bit, it didn't make me. It didn't make me feel terrible about Oklahoma State. You know, they're kind of going against BYU here. But now I'm a little more worried about other schools coming into the mix the longer yeah, he right. waits. And if it goes out past the dead period, I still think Oklahoma State has a good shot here. But if he waited until July 25th and we still hadn't heard anything, that would make me a little nervous that he's looking for some maybe different offers. I know his family is very connected into his decision. He wants them to be a part of it. I'm assuming just from him being so heavy BYU early that his family was big fans of BYU. So maybe it's taking a little bit to convince them. But I I think if they don't get Smith, they're just going to get a transfer portal yeah. or juco guy and not give a scholarship offer out which, to a quarterback in this class and i'm sure they'll take a preferred walk on 
Yeah, which I think is at the end of the day, an okay situation, depending on who you pull out of the transfer portal. I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I, if I'm Oklahoma State, I'm thinking about taking a transfer portal quarterback every year. You know, the 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 potential to develop a three-star quarterback. I think Smith's going to be good. I really do. I think if he comes to Oklahoma State, he will be good. If he goes to BYU, we'll see. Uh, but I think that if you pull a quarterback out of the portal your likelihood of an early return on that player is higher than, you know, trying to develop. And and this goes against what Mike Gundy believes and what they have shown that they will do. They're still going to recruit and develop guys. That's the plan. But I think if this falls through with Smith, I think they'll be fine pulling somebody out of the portal. Yeah. And, and they could also get a really talented preferred walk on. I, I know I've seen some people bring up River Warren, who was at Bishop McGinnis and has transferred to Dell City, who will be playing with Rodney Fields, Oklahoma State commit at running back. I, I don't know if that's a guy they would use a scholarship on, but they may be able to talk him into a preferred walk on spot. He's talented, maybe not a guy that ends up being a multi-year starter at Oklahoma State, but definitely adds some good depth to the QB room. So we'll keep an eye on that. I'm still optimistic about Smith, but we'll we'll see as the longer it goes towards that dead period. I'm a you know I kind of take back what I said. I wasn't super worried that he didn't commit right on July 1st, but now that it's July 10th, it's a little bit worrisome. Okay, one note before we talk about a decommitment after the dead period. So on July 25th, that'll end. On July 30th, Oklahoma State's going to host a pair of mini camps. So we talked about not knowing when they'll kind of start official visits back up exactly. It sounds like they will have a bunch of guys in for those mini camps, maybe get some official visits shortly after that. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on there. And you'll probably see a slew of offers come out after that as well. 100%. So, okay, this was kind of in, I'm going to talk about these two topics kind of together but there were a bunch of Oklahoma State 2024 commits, your Cabongos, guys like that, Landon Cleveland's, who tweeted out a graphic saying, who's next? It looked like it was made by Oklahoma State. I, I never saw officially if it was or anything like that. I think it's been taken down from most of these tweets. And the reason why is because it did not include Jalen Bordley, who was a 2024 commit until today after that image had been tweeted out and it did include Luke Webb who is not currently a 2024 commit and everyone else on the list in this image is actually a 2024 commit and is still to our knowledge so Jalen Bordley shortly after I see these tweets he goes on Twitter and decommits he's the 2024 linebacker six foot 190 pounds from Pleasant Grove in Texarkana three-star number 57 linebacker number 96 in Texas he had committed to Oklahoma State. I know they've taken several linebackers since then. You know, your Gunnar Wilsons, right. your Jonathan Agumadus. He's a little bit on the smaller side. And I think they were maybe trying to see if this was a guy that could maybe play linebacker, maybe play safety. But now they've taken some linebackers and safeties that they like. And I'm wondering, Kate, if this was kind of a mutual split. He does have some good offers. I'm I'm not saying he's a bad player. Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, Houston, LSU, SMU, Texas Tech. But with them taking linebackers, taking some safeties, taking some guys that are maybe a little bit bigger than him and play the same position, it's a little bit kind of confusing why this happened exactly and might have been a split from both sides. Yeah, Dustin, it was my first thought was the amount of linebackers that Oklahoma State has recently pulled in 
that could have, I mean, and this is total speculation, but could have, you know, caused some heartburn or anxiety for, for Bordley. So um, I, I don't know that to be the case, but I could see a reason why. And, and that makes a lot of sense, but maybe it was mutual. Maybe Oklahoma state was, you know, looking elsewhere and maybe he was looking elsewhere and it just makes sense for both parties. So we mentioned in our last podcast, the, the amount of linebackers that Oklahoma state has brought in this class was a little bit unusual. So, I mean, th- this is not that shocking. Yeah. I mean, there's technically like four, right. <laughs> that, you don't class, see that a whole lot, you right. Take, <laughs> you take Bordley away. There's three. So that's, it, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, maybe they even take, maybe they add, replace him with somebody, but if they were to get Luke Webb, so he's 2024 defensive lineman, 6'3", 280 pounds from Deer Park High School in Deer Park, Texas. He's a three-star, number 51 defensive lineman, and he's ranked number 85 in Texas, so a few spots, but 11 spots higher in Texas than Bordley was rated. He took an official visit to Oklahoma State in mid-April. I believe he's also visited Cal. I really, really like Webb. He's got offers from Arizona, Cal, Houston, Kansas, Indiana, Washington State. He plays that zero tech in a three-down front. He was the district uh, 22-6A defensive player of the year, leading the district in tackles for loss and sacks last season. And he's a two-time district 22-6A first-team selection. So that's Texas 6A football where he's been – two-time All-District and was Defensive District Player of the Year. This is a very talented guy who I think would fit really well in Brian Nardo's scheme. I'm not saying they've officially landed him. I haven't heard anything. I don't think you've heard anything. Mm. It's weird that he was on that graphic, though, (laughs) and it makes me a little optimistic that they might land him. Yeah, little eyeball emojis for you. Uh, 100%, I think it's noteworthy and again i i think that oklahoma state on the defensive line like i think armstrong notum with his ridiculous strength is going to shock some people i think luke webb would be another guy that would come in and be like oh uh this guy's really good and i'm i'm failing to even mention the guy on campus that has turned heads all spring in uh in justin kirkland yeah so yeah they're doing a great job up there I love the guys that Nardo is recruiting so far. I I know this class isn't ranked in the top 25 or anything like that, but just the the guys on defense that have committed since Nardo has taken over, I, I really, really like. So uh, that's it as far as kind of really newsworthy worthy items. One quick note, Zashawn Williams, 2024 cornerback, six foot, 170 pounds from Tyler High School in Tyler, Texas. He's a three-star, number 116 corner number 175 rated player in Texas. Oklahoma State does not have any cornerbacks in the class at this time or guys listed at cornerback. I think they're going to take at least one. Williams could be their guy. He put Oklahoma State in his top five with Arkansas, Texas Tech, Memphis, and Tulsa. So it'll be pretty interesting. Last season, he had 13 pass breakups and three interceptions to go along with 39 tackles. So it's he, he's a guy to keep an eye on. Could be you know the first cornerback in the class that Oklahoma State takes, but I, I haven't seen anything about when exactly he's going to make a decision. But just someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I mean, those are great updates, Dustin. It's unfortunate about Bordley, but uh, I think Oklahoma State, whether they take another or not, I think the linebacker position's in in really good spot this offseason. Yeah, I agree, Cade. Not anything really basketball specific, unless I miss something. So we're going to move to the roundup, but some of these roundup items are pretty newsworthy. <laughs> so 
we're gonna start what would you be talking about here dustin yeah (laughs) we'll start with softball and the news that kelly maxwell oklahoma state ace pitcher for the past four seasons she's been there for five she redshirted one year has entered the transfer portal as a graduate transfer because you know kate and i talked about the portal has closed already for softball but because she's a graduate transfer she can still enter. I believe extra inning softball was the first to report that Jenny Carlson actually was able to catch up with Kenny Gajewski. He was on vacation. She said she called him and he actually called her back. She wrote an article about it. Hey, from this article, there was a lot of interesting notes that we didn't know about when we talked about some notes previously, like John Bartfeld, Oklahoma state's pitching coach of the last four years basically just came into Kenny's office and said he was retiring one day completely out of the blue. Kenny had asked him for advance notice. He didn't get any, and he attributes that being the main reason that Kelly Maxwell left. And I I know, Cade, we're going to talk about some different things with this, but what was your initial take on Kelly leaving and then kind of hearing that about Coach Barfelt just kind of blindsiding Kenny with that retirement news? Yeah, I mean, I... Everything I would say to that is speculation. It seems like that can't be the only reason, right? Like in today's era where NIL is in play, I, I can't imagine that that is what put a a Oklahoma State legend in softball into the transfer portal exclusively. I'm sure it played into it, and I'm sure it did blindside coach, but I can't imagine that that was the, the 100% reason and Dustin, my reaction was just kind of shocked. I mean, I, I I don't know if there had been any rumblings about this. Uh, there were about like a couple of hours before it actually happened. Um, similar to the way Jordy Ball went down going to Nebraska, that started to kind of permeate through the media circles, and this did too. Um, but I, I mean, Dustin, I, I don't know <laughs> where she goes other than a team that Oklahoma State has already played this last year I think that there are two schools that I'm looking at as like yeah that would make a lot of sense for Kelly Maxwell and that's Florida State and Oklahoma so that kind of sucks yeah I I know that Florida State we've heard thrown out there we've heard Texas A&M folks report is saying they've actually heard OU from a similar source that gave them a heads up about Kelly entering the portal. You and I have been made aware from a couple of spots and we've seen it posted on some message boards as well, that Texas is probably in the mix as well. So I I don't know out of those, I would hate any of them, but you and I have talked about this a lot off air. We talked Uh about it a lot with the guy, the guys that left for football, specifically trace Ford to leave in the NIL era, you and I get it. Uh, it's yep. as fans, we hate we hate losing these players, and it probably makes us, you know, maybe a little frustrated, maybe a little upset. But in the NIL era, when we think about if we were in that spot, you know, taking the money after you've been somewhere and done a lot for that school, kind of t- especially in a sport like softball where there's not a big pro presence, even though the Oklahoma City Spark have been killing it, you should definitely go and check them out the pro team here, but I I get it. Taking the money sometimes, but to go to your rival in your in-state rival, where, you know, the fans really don't like each other from these two schools. 
there's a lot of hatred between them in all sports in OU to go there is just I, I can't my brain can't fathom it so yeah. I hope that's not where she goes no I'm glad you said it and it, I think it's important that we talk about it because we spent what 20 minutes on Trace Ford going to OU um, yeah. we don't have to spend that here but I feel I would feel the exact same way about it um I just I grew up in a in a world I thought where Oklahoma State fans didn't like OU and Oklahoma State players especially didn't like OU. Now, kids have grown up in Oklahoma and have grown up OU fans and have gone to OSU and vice versa. That's not a new thing. But from a, a fan's perspective, the idea of somebody going from orange to you know red, and I won't do them the honor of saying what they say their colors are, that is also to me unfathomable i i i just have a different level of disdain for them and i can't you know put that on a you know i don't remember where kelly maxwell is from originally i don't think she's from oklahoma it's like the houston area yeah that's right so she didn't necessarily grow up around the rivalry but she's been a key part of it and she knows that that program has been a thorn in her side I just can't imagine wanting to do that. It's like the KD to the Warriors thing. I still, yeah. to this day, don't see how he did it. But it's not really up to me. And, I, you know, if she were to go to OU, I would be just as disappointed as I was in those other two. Yeah, I agree. And we talked about this kind of with even bringing Spencer Sanders into it a little bit when we talked about him, about just kind of the the way we heard it all went down. Yeah. Is is not the same as Trace Ford going to OU, but in that kind of similar kind of vein, I think it tarnishes a little bit. And you know, you could completely disagree with me and think I'm an idiot, but in my personal opinion, my take on Kelly Maxwell, if she were to go to OU, it would tarnish my kind of opinion about her career at Oklahoma State. I, I would every time I think back about those accolades and how amazing she was as a pitcher for Oklahoma state softball, the second thing that pops into my head is going to be the fact that she ended up transferring yeah, to OU a hundred percent, a hundred percent agree with you. And I, I don't know how you get past it. And I think this is something that these athletes have to live with. And you know, they, they don't necessarily have to agree with it, but that's the reality of a fan. <laughs> like it's not always a hundred percent, like rooted in like a unemotional state. You and I are emotional beings. We're emotional fans. I I don't like it from that reason. I can understand if somebody came up to her and offered her more than Oklahoma State could, but at the end of the day, I don't have to like it, and that's the reality. The other thing, Cade, is I pride myself on trying to talk as little about OU as possible on this podcast. Yeah, you do a good it's job. It's way it. easier when they leave, and this makes me talk about it, so yeah. I'm very upset about that as well. One thing I will say, Cade, we were talking about the pitching coach, I know that, John, we talked about how he was 67 years old. He'd been around the game for a very long time. Very smart pitching coach. Kenny said he's one of the smartest softball minds he'd ever worked with. I think there's a chance that Oklahoma State and Kenny Gajewski bring back Terry Eberly from Lipscomb and have her be the pitching coach. And if that's the case, maybe that did play a little bit more of a factor because Kelly might have 
wanted someone a little bit more experienced than someone that she was on the same team with Sure. in Everly. You know, when Everly was here at Oklahoma State after she pitched at Virginia Tech, and then she actually was a graduate assistant with the Oklahoma State program. Like I said, she's been with Lipscomb now. But that could have played a little bit of a factor in there. I mean, you and I haven't heard that that's official or anything like that. Just seen some rumors that it might be Everly. And if that's the case, maybe the Barkfelt leaving Everly coming in played a bigger role than just the Barkfelt leaving, kind yeah. of circling back to what we talked about at the beginning. That actually, if if the transfer portal, like NIL wasn't a thing and the transfer portal was still open, that would make 100% sense to me. If your coach retired, they were talking about putting a, which you would be privy to this information, they were talking about putting a teammate of yours as your coach in your senior year where you have a year of eligibility. I think I would have not loved that. So the other thing I'll say to that is you don't have to love it and you can still go to a place that's not OU. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where, okay, that, that was a perfect way to kind of maybe, even, unless you have anything else to nope. end this topic is if she goes to Florida State, Texas, which I'm not going to predict OU because I can't do that. So I'm going to predict that she lands at Texas. But if she goes, which I don't love Texas either, but Texas or Florida State or Texas A&M, if she does that, and we may never know the real answer as to why, but if it was an NIL deal, something of that nature, maybe there's a pitching coach that she really wanted to work with at one of those schools, then I'm going to be very sad that Kelly's leaving. I'm going to be upset because I think this team has a chance to run it back and have just as good, if not better, of a season next year. But I get it in the NIL era because that's what we started off this conversation with. Wanted to circle back to that. But if it's OU, I just my, my brain can't do it. Yeah, I agree with you. And it does put next year in a little bit of a different light when you think about it. I mean, everything we had talked about was with the assumption that Kelly Maxwell was back. Uh, you're good. I mean, I still think Oklahoma State's, you know, pitching uh, room is loaded. I think they'll be fine. But I do think that will, they will miss having a shutdown go-to ace. I think every yeah. national championship competing team has one. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to ask. Lexi Kilfoyle is solid. I know she's had yeah. some injury issues, but she is solid. But you're going to need a lot from ACOC and from incoming freshman Katie Cutts, I think, is kind of sure. who you're looking at there. You know what Rosenberry can give you in certain situations, but I don't, I don't think you would want to rely on her as your number three, maybe. But I, I don't know if that's the best option. I think she's a solid pitcher, though. So we'll see how it kind of plays out. Obviously, you can still take people out of the portal, so maybe there's somebody left in there that you and I aren't thinking of that they could go snag or maybe even a grad transfer situation like Kelly. But right now, yeah, you're going to be asking a lot out of Kilfoyle, Acock, and a true incoming freshman in Katie Cutts. Yeah, 100%. Excited to see how it plays out, but if it's OU, yeah. I won't be excited. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, moving on to baseball, a couple quick notes before we talk MLB draft. Finally, I think this was the transfer, one of the transfers you and I were waiting for, Eric Bosacker from Xavier. This is your guy. This is a guy that can come in and be in your weekend rotation, I think, right away. He missed all of the 2022 season due to injury, but this last season he pitched 98 innings, had an eight and three record, a 3.49 ERA. He was an absolute Iron Man at the end of the season, or kind of throughout the season, going two complete games. In the Nashville Regional, he pitched a complete game shutout against Eastern Illinois. 
to send them home and keep the Xavier team alive. They eventually were eliminated by Oregon. I really, really like him. He's a right-handed guy, a guy that was a highly touted recruit coming out of high school. I think this is, I'm not saying it's like an all-time world record-beating transfer acquisition, but I think this is somebody that they really needed. Yeah, 100%. We've been talking about the rotation for months now, even into last year, talking about this year. This is a critical pickup for every every reason you just mentioned. Yeah, and kid, on the other end, Oklahoma State lost a guy. This is someone you and I were texting about. If you're wondering what Cade and I text about, it's normally <laughs> baseball this? transfer portal. Yeah, so uh, Brendan Holt yep. previously transferred in from LSU. He's a Baton Rouge guy, went to Parkview Baptist High School in Baton Rouge. Shout out to Parkview Baptist. He enters after playing 34 games last season, only batted 130, 173, one home run, seven RBIs. 3021 base percentage and two stolen bases, but he had a 966 fielding percentage and he literally played every position except first pitcher and catcher. I believe he played some third, short, second, pretty much all over the outfield. We saw him when Earhart was out, get some run out there in center. This was a guy I was thinking was going to be a depth piece and kind of a utility infield guy. Right. Because I think they're going to lose. We'll talk about it in a minute, but both Marcus Brown and Rock Riggio to the MLB. You you most likely got Wolfert coming back. He wasn't drafted in the first 10 rounds. You've got Casarilla coming in, who's been playing some outfield with the Chatham Anglers in the Cape Cod League, but also has played some third and I believe some short. And you've got Miola coming back. But I think Holt and then Forsyth, who came in uh, the transfer they just got, who we talked about on a previous podcast, were going to be two of your main depth guys, and now they don't have Holt. Yeah, and... It's again, you've done a fantastic job of laying it out. I think the reason that this is more significant than you would think is because of what he did, what he potentially did for your depth in the middle infield, which, as we'll get to, could be taking a significant hit next year. I think they'll be okay, but Brennan Holt would have figured in to be part of that solution, and uh. Now he won't. So anytime you pull in a guy from a power five program, especially one that just won a national title, I think you would have felt pretty good about that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that never really had a chance to make much of an impact at Oklahoma state. Cause I think next year could have been part of it. Yeah. E- even if he's just a guy that you pinch run and you have as a depth piece, cause he's a great fielder, not, you know, he's not a very big guy, not a power hitter, but you're right. Definitely, definitely a tough loss, not major, but definitely tough. And that's, I think that was one of the guys I thought may enter when we had heard there may be some silent guys entering, but I was hoping it wasn't. So, okay. on to the MLB draft and the, the baseball transfer portal closes this week. So we, there should be a few guys that trickle out, but I don't think there's going to be anybody else major from Oklahoma state. I mean, knock on wood, obviously, but right. from what I've heard, right. MLB draft. So before we get into the guys that got drafted, the, the first 10 rounds have gone through for the MLB draft and it'll finish tomorrow with rounds 11 through 20. I checked all of Oklahoma State's high school commits in the MLB.com tracker. I may have missed somebody, but I didn't see anybody get drafted in the first 10 rounds. And Casarilla, the highly touted Juco transfer who we just talked about, also didn't get drafted. So it's kind of weird at the MLB draft because it's like, yes, that's awesome news for like us as Oklahoma State fans, but I'm sure some of those guys were hoping to maybe crack yeah, for sure. Top 10 rounds. So 
Uh, but out of the guys on Oklahoma State's team, Jawan Rots Brown drafted with the 89th pick, third round of the Toronto Blue Jays. That approximate pick value is 771,000. Nolan McLean, round three, pick 91 to the New York Mets. That's 10 picks lower than he was drafted last year by the Orioles. That pick value is 747,000. Rock Riggio uh, was pick 129 in round four to the New York Yankees, about a $500,000 pick value. And then Marcus Brown was 138 in round five to the Washington Nationals, but four, 464K pick value. And lastly, Brian Hendry in round 10, pick 312 to, again, the New York Yankees, about 164,000 approximate pick value. These guys, the teams have their rights until midnight, August 15th. So we'll kind of see, but okay, the last year, only three guys in the top 10 rounds didn't sign. And one of those was actually Nolan McLean. Yeah. So I think all of these guys might be gone. Yeah, I would think so. Right. I mean, especially where rock with the New York Yankees is, um, if you're a baseball fan and not a New York New York Yankees fan, that could make you throw up in your mouth a little bit because <laughs> golly, is he perfect for New York, but maybe the most hated franchise in sports. Uh so I love it for him, hate it for uh, you know, being a not Yankees fan. But everybody else, I mean, I would think is is gone, especially knowing that McLean last year, you know, was drafted 10 spots higher than he was this year. Yeah, and you know, a guy like Hendry, he's a junior, the transfer in from St. John's. I think he's a guy, you know, he pitched like 36 innings last year that maybe could up his draft stock a little bit if he comes back to Oklahoma State and he's drafted in round 10. Maybe, maybe he comes back knowing he should have an increased role right in the Oklahoma State pitching rotation, I, I think anyway. But everybody else, you and I thought Juwan Watts Brown and Marcus Brown were going to be gone if they were anywhere in the top 10 rounds, they were both in the top five rounds. Noel McClain, I don't think is going to come back. You know, he had the issue last year's with the MRI with the Orioles. He should be gone. And then you and I were hoping Riggio would come back, but man, round four to the Yankees, 500 K pig value. Yeah. I'm sure he might even be able to negotiate a little bit more being who he is. Right. I think, I think he's probably gone too. There's guys that still might get drafted. Baden root, Ben Abram, Brant Hoagie, David Mendham, Evan O'Toole, Stebbins, Wolfert. You know, you'd love for Stebbins and Wolfert to come back. That would be great. But I, I would expect to see some of those guys' names called tomorrow. Yeah, I I, I would too. Um, not an ideal weekend. I mean, obviously, it's great for Oklahoma State baseball, right? But knowing that there was potentially a problem in that middle infield and then – it's probably going to come to fruition with Marcus Brown and Rock Riggio. Um, yeah, it's it's a little bit unfortunate. So uh, we'll continue to kind of look at how things go as the offseason progresses. Um, the transfer portal, obviously something that Oklahoma State will continue to look heavily at uh, to help fill some of those gaps. And uh, I expect that they'll do a good job of that. Yeah. Uh, Kate, a couple quick notes. Cowgirl basketball got a transfer from Old Dominion. Brianna, uh, I think it's it looks like money, maybe Monet. 6.4 points, 4.5 rebounds last season. So JC Hoyt still kind of dominating the transfer portal. Oklahoma State track and field had a bunch of current and former athletes 
at the USA Track and Field Championships and U20 Championships in Eugene, Oregon recently. So that was, I, I didn't get the results from that, but pretty cool to see those guys in there, guys and gals in there. And then Cowboy Golf, Kate, I wanted to hit one, one note real quick before we move to questions. What did you think about this Brooks Kepka Matt Wolf drama? So if you didn't see it, Brooks Kepka basically called former Oklahoma State golfer Matt Wolf out for quitting on rounds, just kind of not being a team player. And Matt Wolf had a response that basically just said, you know, he's he's competing. He doesn't really think that was maybe the best way to address this stuff for the team. And it's just kind of a weird situation with the team golf dynamic and live golf, but Odd to see a guy like Matt Wolf, who was a really, really is a really, really talented golfer, did great in his college career, looked hot to kind of start as a pro golfer, and then it's kind of fell off a little bit since. Yeah, so I'll say it's it's two things, and I think both of them have a point. Um, I'll start with I've been a loud proponent that Brooks is you know maybe kind of a tool for many years. And uh, I've been confirmed in that over the last year or so with the release of Full Swing and everybody like, oh, OK, like I think he got a lot of hype early on as being like kind of a barstool guy, like a guy's guy, kind of like a Blake Bortles. But I was like, no, he's, he's kind of a tool. And then it turns out that he <laughs> is. So this comment backs that up. But I will say that the meat of what he said is probably not far from reality. I don't know Matt Wolf. I do know people that know Matt Wolf. Uh, I think that there's a lot going on with him that's outside of golf that's impacting things. And it's not yeah. fair for me to talk about, so I won't. But he said it in his statement a little bit that he's playing a game larger than golf. He's battling for his life, something along those lines. To me, it's like if that's the case, you should not be playing golf. Like if, right. if it's that serious – like take some time away. You've made plenty of money as an athlete and don't leave things up maybe to interpretation. But, you know, I, I, I see from his perspective that it's not a fair comment. There's better ways to handle it. I agree with Matt. The other side of it is I think Brooks Kepka, uh, being, you know, one of the world's best golfers probably has an insight into what it takes as a, as a pro golfer to work hard enough to reach that level. And I, I don't think that Matt Wolf reaches that. So that's where I'm at on it, Dustin. I'm yeah, no, know. I mean, Kate, I, I love that take. Thanks for giving. I knew you'd have a great take on it. Thanks for giving that info. Just some weird stuff. I'm sure that won't be the last of it. And, you know, hopefully Matt Wolf can kind of clear whatever it is up, keep getting back out there and just kind of do whatever it is that kind of makes him be able to kind of live his life to the fullest. So we'll keep an eye on that, but not really, not really a ton of more yeah, just, info than those quotes. I do just want Matt to be good, like, and not good at, I'm not even talking golf. Like I just hope he's okay. And like, yeah. you know, prioritizing things accordingly, like golf can be there. So anyway, wish the best for him. Uh, and on Cal girl golf, the other side of things, Madison Henson Tolchard competed in her first major championship. She ended up not making the cut at the U S open at Pebble beach, but pretty cool to see her out there. I believe Maya Stark, former Oklahoma state golfer was competing as well. So really cool to see them out there. And then last note before questions, Oklahoma state has added Grace Yoakum 
to its Cowgirl soccer staff as the program's player development coordinator. Great, you probably know Grace. We've talked about her on here before. She set the program record for career goals and career points at Oklahoma State. So one of the maybe best Oklahoma State soccer players in Oklahoma State's women's soccer history has joined the coaching staff. So pretty cool stuff there. And Kate, that is all we have. I know we're running a little short on time and we got, guys, thank you so much. We got a lot of questions. We really appreciate it. Very flattering for Kate and I that you guys even want to send these in, but we'll try to hit as many as we can before we uh, kind of have to get out of here. Yeah, 100%. And before we do that, let's take a quick break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the curse of cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website. I'm just a big fan of Homefield stuff, and the quality is unbelievable. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. And when you use our promo code FEELS12, you actually will get a discount. That's right. Feels 12. We'll get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code feels 12 at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now and tell them that the feels like 45 podcast. All right, Dustin, let's get after it. We've got a mailbag of questions. <laughs> All right. The first one is from our guy, orange vision at underscore orange V Z N underscore. He says, what sets Oklahoma State apart from other teams in the Big 12 when it comes to recruiting for football and basketball? Also, let's be positive and give the listeners two things that each that each of you love about Stillwater, Oklahoma. Have oh. a good day, you all. Go Pokes. <laughs> I think the easier question is the second one. Like, yeah, because- I, I do think, Kate, on that first part, and sorry to cut you off, the, the one just easy thing to answer for football is the fact that Oklahoma State, you know, Bill Haston mentioned it in his article that we haven't talked about yet, but he wrote an article about Oklahoma State football kind of carrying the athletic department. They've had 17 consecutive winning seasons. Kate, in those 17 winning seasons, how many top 25 recruiting classes have they had? I think what, that one, of, one. Yeah. Maybe? So that, that answers the football part of things right there. I think it's the development yep. of Oklahoma State's football program football development program to get these you know people like to call them diamond in the rough recruits and turn them into really good football players who end up making it to the next level in the nfl and then as far as basketball goes mike Poynton is just cool i think that's what sets him apart (laughs) i would i think you're spot on there i think there's a an element of tradition speaking of the bill haston article though two ncaa tournament wins since 2006 was a sticking point for me in that article. Yeah. Because he's right. Bill Bill's article was great. The whole point of it frustrated the crap out of me because it was talking about how uh you know, Oklahoma State football carrying an athletic department that's underachieving and it's like we've kind of been saying that without saying the full part and it's like the pressure is doubled on 
Cowboy football, even though it's not necessarily fair. And even though literally nobody else is, you know, performing up to yeah. how Oklahoma state fans would expect. And I mean, it's really easy to just look across, you know, the way at the basketball program and say, when's the last time they overperformed, not just met expectations, but overperformed. And I would have a hard time telling you when that was. Yeah. And I completely agree with you on basketball. It's a little weird sometimes when you look at, and even would agree on baseball, when you look at wrestling and golf, the fact that they were so dominant and then now they're not, it's, it's a little bit different than some of those other sports because what they were doing was like no one else was doing right. and no one has since. So, you know, I saw the one point about golf only having one national title in the past 16 years or something like that. And I'm like, I mean, I get that in the kind of his history of Oklahoma State golf, but also like what schools are winning golf every single year. Well, and you I know? think Oklahoma State was like the first to really invest in golf. And I think yeah. it's gained in popularity. I mean, kids are coming out of high school shooting 60s. So like like six zero, not like six yeah. eight, like six zero. So it's a little and different runner up. Oklahoma yeah. State can run her up multiple times in that span. So I agreed with some points like you're saying and others. I was like, well, you know, that's kind of a weird sentence when you think about it in like the grand scheme of college athletics. Yeah, for sure. But interesting article all around. But I, I do think unless you had any other takes on that first part of the question, I think those are kind of kind of brief, quick answers to that yeah. part. And I love the question. And then on the things we love about Stillwater, I, I would say after school, being out of school, tailgating on football game days, is one and then just kind of the strip in general, kind of the atmosphere on the strip at night, any like uh, anytime football game day, anytime school's in session and it's kind of crowded out there. When I was in school, probably having a drown night drink special night every night of the week at one of the bars was pretty cool because there was always something going on. And then I think, you know, having like a rec league sport, something to do every night, just uh, Stillwater, there was always something going i know it's like that in all college towns but i just in school i would probably have like 15 different answers but out of school i'd go with tailgating and just the strip in general i i would agree with both of those the other thing i'll say is i i love i love oklahoma state basketball and i love a like wednesday night basketball game in stillwater eight o'clock tip I really, really love that hit Joe's, you know, early miss the weight, go straight to the bar. Like it's, it's perfect. So yeah, we've done that, that before on we, that. We, you and I, we've done, <laughs> have we done it? I think we've done it multiple times. So yeah, it's, it's obviously something that's endearing. So hanging out with me is your yeah, answer. Yes. Okay. Yes. I love Stillwater with you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. No, that's a great answer, Cade. I really yeah, like that Thank one. you for that. Um, okay, next we've got John Jester at Jest on a Quest. He says you can see, and this is one of the questions I was kind of alluding to earlier. We're talking about all Big 12 teams. You can see into the future, but it's foggy. You can see that one offensive and one defensive player made the Big 12 first team this season, but you can't see who. Yeah, Which players sure. would you be the most excited to find out where the players named to those spots? I mean, Kate, I think for offense, yeah, it's the same answer for but I mean it's Allen, but if Allen Brown was first team, that would probably mean we had See, Dallas championship. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite part of Dallas? Yeah. <laughs> Allen Bowman and then 
I mean, anybody on the offensive line would surprise me and be awesome because that probably means normally what happens with these Big 12 teams is they go off of either PFF grades in recent years or whatever team for offensive line or whatever team had like a really good rushing attack and didn't give up a lot of sacks. And then they just pick kind of the quote unquote best linemen from that group. So that would probably mean we ran the football really well and Bowman didn't get sacked a lot if any offensive lineman made the first team. A hundred percent, but I'm going to go Alan Bowman because you basically would have had to be in the big 12 title or win it to be considered for that. So hundred percent on defense. I think for me, it might be the same for you. It would be Justin Kirkland. Yes. Because if, yes, if he's on there, that means we dominated against the run. Yep. That because he's not going to be on there for sacks. So, uh, I mean, he could be. That would be awesome too. Or any linebacker not named Colin Oliver, because we know Colin Oliver's good. But if any of the other linebackers made it, I would be surprised. I could maybe see it happening, but that would mean we had a much better year at linebacker than we did last year. I yeah. Think. The I mean, you and I agree a hundred percent. And I'm gonna have to start answering some of these questions before you, so people don't think I'm dumb and just take yeah, it back I'm, because you that's you're exactly right. Always. No, 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 no. Yo, it's good. Alan Bowman and Justin Kirkland is the correct answer on that. Like yeah. Kendall Daniels being first team all big 12 is like, that wouldn't necessarily surprise you at this point. I don't think now would that be quite the ordeal? Yes. But Justin Kirkland being first team would change the trajectory of this season. I think. Yeah, I agree. Th- this one's kind of similar. Kate, I can throw it to you first. This is Sam Butchert at go pokes. Oh, two. I know you guys love depth chart talk. So what young players do you think could surprise people and compete for a starting spot this season? Ooh, well, okay. If I can go, I mean, what do do we mean by young? Like freshman, sophomore, or like transfer portal? Or I would say let's not talk transfer portal guys. Maybe guys that are freshman, sophomore, redshirt, sophomore. You could even include them with oh, the God. COVID now you're gonna now. now you're actually gonna make me pull up the depth chart on the question that you throw to me. You're gonna make me do some research. Well, I I, I mean, I think that some of those offensive linemen that we've talked about, a Kaweki, a Calvin Harvey, a Jack and Dean, I don't think any of them will start, but those were guys that were running with the twos when I was at practice. So that means they're pushing for a starting job and, you know, Jack and Dean, true freshman, Austin Kowecki, second year guy, Calvin Harvey, second year guy on defense. What about one of the guys that you, you and, yeah. I and Adam Lunt love DJ McKinney, DJ McKinney would be one. I was even thinking just earlier in the pod, like Deshaun Brown was a guy that has had some decent pub around him this off season. And I think D end they're pretty good at right now, but he's a guy that I would put in that list. DJ McKinney's, a fantastic one though. And there is, I mean, is it to push for a starting spot? Because there is an obvious answer in Holly Gordon, right? Like not a transfer. Yeah. So he he would be one on that list too. But Jeff I don't know, Robinson Dustin. At linebacker. Yeah. Yes. I would definitely say that. Let me go. Let me give you one kind of off the wall here. Um did you say Aiden Kelly yet? I didn't. I, I want to see how he kind of recovers from that injury. That's a great one. Cam Epps, a guy I really liked at practice. Can yeah. play anywhere in the defensive backfield, I think. A lot of All, defense uh, from you on that one. Yeah, I, I don't think – I think because basically the entire offensive line starters, we kind of know, and there's even some guys that are pushing for starting spots like a Matirko, and if 
Cooper comes in and knocks a Springfield back to the second string. You know, those guys are guys we know. And then wide receiver, it's transfers and guys we know. Alan Bowman, you mentioned Ollie Gordon already. And then tight end is newcomers, but they're transfers. Right. And they're older guys, like a Josiah Johnson. I believe he only has one year left of eligibility. And then Cassidy and Schultz at fullback. So I think defense is where you'd maybe see it more. But some of those offensive linemen, I think some of those young guys, especially if there's an injury, you're going to see a true freshman, true sophomore, maybe inserted in there in a Kowecki or in Dean. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of tough because the guys that you're talking about are on the defensive side, guys we've seen a lot of. DJ McKinney would be the one that like I don't think people have seen a whole lot of that it would surprise them if they didn't listen to this podcast and didn't listen to Adam Lunt talk about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think yeah, that, that's that a great would point. surprise the, the masses. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, let's do one more. And we're just doing these kind of, sorry guys, like first in, first out kind of method here. The ones that were sent in the earliest. We got Bill Minat at Bill My Geo Guy. He says softball is going to need a new pitching coach and I think has another assistant spot open as well. Early predictions on whether they go for Ooh. proven small school folks or do they go big game hunting at a power five level? I mean, kid, we talked about Terry Eberly possibly taking that pitching coach job. That's technically small school. I don't know if I'd call it proven. Mm-mm. She hasn't been there for very long, but I, so it's okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's a head coach. And now there's going to be three full-time assistants, right? Yeah. So that's the way I understood it. So they already have, Shippy Fletcher as a volunteer, I would think they would make her full time. And then yeah, they have Whitney Clover, sure. who they brought in as the hitting coach. So if you add Everly, that fills it out. Yeah. And I don't, I don't love it. I'll be honest. I mean, I think if you're trying to compete for a national title, which Oklahoma State softball is, I feel like that's a, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Everly ha- has done a good job, but she's, I mean, she is how far removed from, being on the team a year, two years, two years ago, she was a grad assistant. So right. three years ago, she was on the three team. years ago. I, yeah, it feels maybe premature for a program like Oklahoma state, but I, I, I would, I would prefer a big game, you know, type of type of name. Yeah, I agree. And okay, since we answered that one kind of quick, let's do one more kind of more, a more fun one. Flash at Ryan flash polar says, which future non-conference football game, are you most excited for in the next oh. 15 years? He sent us a, a list and Ryan, I appreciate you asking the question and sending that that makes it way easier for us to answer. So thank you. But the first one that popped out to me in 2025 at Oregon, I think yeah. I want to go to that. I wasn't able to go to the game in Corvallis against Oregon state. I was supposed to go and then had some stuff come up for work. So I think I would love to go to that game. Oh, yeah. at Oregon, you know, there's at Arkansas, in the future at Alabama. Yeah. So well, there's some I, good ones on there. I think the away games pop to me the most. Well, yeah, because those are opportunities to go to, uh, you know, programs like that. I would remove Arkansas from that list because, I I mean, I love Fayetteville's great, but I don't really uh, want to go to a game yeah, there. Their fans aren't Yeah, and I feel like Alabama fans. LSU. Yeah, I feel like Alabama fans are like, they've won so much that they'd be a little more tame. I, Oregon was my answer. Don't even so, go to the games. Yeah, right. So Oregon was my answer, but I'll say Alabama at home. I mean, to welcome the Crimson Tide to Stillwater is going to be a wild day. 
I would hope to. I have a couple. I have two good buddies that went to Bama. Hopefully, they would come in. That would be a lot of fun to kind of host them in Stillwater because neither of them had been. So that would be really cool. I mean, can you imagine that day? Like the big, you know, script A flag coming out of the, you know, what is that? The east end of Boone Pickens Stadium. That that would be just a wild scene. Nick Saban's a hundred years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they bring him out like the you know the fish on spongebob in the wheelchair 100 percent. that was a great reference uh kate that's all we have time for guys again apologies for not getting to all of them kate and i are trying to for once in our lives in one aspect of our lives be true to our word and we're doing that with these shorter off-season episodes because we we're getting geared up for the two hour long ones when we get to football season yeah. but really appreciate it thank you guys so much We'll try to grab some next time that maybe uh, people that haven't we haven't read on here before. We know guys like Bill who sends in great questions. We've read his. Sam, appreciate you guys. We'll try to grab some more random ones next time. That's my fault, kind of going off the top this time. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a real thing like like podcast voice. Like it takes some effort to talk this long uh, for two yeah. hours every week during the season. We need to rest up 100% to what you said, Dustin. I mean, we'll be in tip-top shape once it's time to go, but we, we've got to just cut now. <laughs> I, I don't uh, I don't talk to my family for a full day after we record. It's kind of like a, a vocalist, like a, a singer. <laughs> like I write on a whiteboard the day before the podcast, and my fa- my daughter's like, I don't understand what you're you're saying. And I have to draw in pictures. It's a very chaotic deal. So I have to end up it talking more. Longer. I talk more to explain the whiteboard. So anyway, <laughs> it's a Dustin, terrible process. Yeah. Appreciate you as always. Thank you for taking us through all of that. We will stick to our word and we will get out of here. If you're not following us already on Twitter and Instagram and threads, you can follow us at feels like 45 pod. I'll get your thoughts on threads next week, Dustin. You can follow Dustin at Dustragu, and you can follow me at Cade Webb on all those platforms. So we'll see you guys back here next week. Go Pokes.